Well, this afternoon I have the opportunity, again, in person also, really great to have everyone who's joining us online. Uh, if you're not here in person, we miss you, but we're glad you're, you're tuning in with us. Uh, but I have the opportunity to complete our series, Deeper Mission. Everybody say Deeper Mission. Okay, that was pretty good, but come on, I need a little more energy, guys, a little more life here. I know, I don't know what it is today. I think it's the heat and the summer and, and, and even in first service, it was even more challenging to get people out. So everybody say Deeper Mission. There we go. I like that. See, that's great. Just does something for my heart. It makes me preach faster too, all right? So uh, I'm finishing our series, Deeper Mission, and, uh, and, and we've been talking about the mission of Jesus and, and going deeper in mission in our everyday lives. So I want you to start at Mark 10, 45. Uh, we, we've really touched on this verse every week, and it's really become a core verse for our focus this month. But Mark 10, 45 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve... And to give his life as a ransom for many. Somebody say, give his life. He gave his life as a ransom for many. And so if you've been tracking with us for the last several weeks, again, as always, I say this all the time, but if you've missed the message, you can go on YouTube. They're all posted there. You can get our podcast, and it will immediately download. Every Monday, the message will download to your phone or your tablet or wherever you listen to your podcast on. But we started talking about the mission of Jesus So we said this year is about going deeper. This month we're focusing on going deeper in mission. And so we started and said we don't just want our mission, we want the mission of Jesus. And we want to understand what the mission of Jesus is. So we went through the scriptures and we just looked at what Jesus said, different things about what he said, what his mission was. And then the second week, last week what we did was we took a focus on this verse, Mark 10, 45, because that was one of the verses that we read the first week. And we focused it a bit more and we dove a little deeper on serving and on having a heart to serve. Everybody say a heart to serve. And so we talked about having this heart to serve. And so what I want to do today is I actually want to focus on the second part of this verse. We started on the first part, which said, For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to be, excuse me, not to be served, but to serve. But I want to focus on this part that says, And to give his life as a ransom for many. Family, if we're talking about engaging in the mission of Jesus... If we're talking about having a heart to serve, the big idea that I want to focus on in my teaching time today is simply this. The greatest thing that you or I can do to serve somebody is to share the gospel with them and tell them about the love of Jesus. Let me say that again. I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that there's not many ways we can serve people or that there's many ways we should serve people because I want us to serve people in every way possible. But today what I want to do is as we're kind of focusing in here, I want to put a spotlight on. I want to bring our attention back to the fact that the greatest thing that we can do to serve somebody else, the greatest way that we can serve people around us is we can introduce them to Jesus. We can tell them about the love of Jesus. We can share the gospel with them. That is the greatest way that we can serve anyone. Let me share a couple verses just to start. These won't be new verses to you, but I want to bring these things back to our attention. John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is obviously a very well-known verse. It's a very popular verse. It's a verse that we see in many different places. But I say this quite often to you. We have to be cautious about verses that we are familiar with that they do not lose their power in our lives. 
And Jesus said, the Bible said Jesus came. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This is Jesus who came to serve. And he said he came that people should not perish, but that they would have eternal life. God wants us to have an awareness of the eternal reality that we all live within. And that when we're talking about serving people, when we're talking about loving people, we need to remember the central mission that Jesus came with, that he came so that no one would perish, but all would have eternal life. And so in the same way, if we're going to carry this heart to serve, we have to have this same mentality. I want to see no one perish, but I want to see everyone come and experience the eternal life that Jesus has. I mean, how, how could I not want anything less for somebody if I love them, if I want to serve them? Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, family, the Bible teaches us that we are not just temporary beings who live for 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years or whatever amount of time we do, and then we cease to exist. But we are eternal beings. We live forever. See, in John 3.16, when it talked about having eternal life, it wasn't talking about some gift that now makes you live forever. We are already eternal beings. We've been made in the image of God. We, we have these bodies that we're in today, but we actually, our essence is spirit. And when you die... When you, when you pass away, you don't cease to exist, but you step over into eternity. And if you know Jesus, if you've received him as your Lord and Savior, you step over into eternity with him. But if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know him, you don't, then you perish. Or what it talks here, the wages of sin is death. What does this word death mean? It's actually a multiple layered word. It does speak of physical death because physical death came because of sin. But even more than that, it speaks of spiritual death. Spiritual death speaks of being separated from God. You and I were designed to live in connection and communion with God. That's the way it was in the beginning with Adam and Eve. That's one of the reasons why the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam, because he came to right what was wrong, and he came to break down the dividing wall. When he said it, it was finished, and the veil was torn in two from top to bottom, it was symbolic of God saying, I can restore my connection with you. So it, that is eternal life. That's the essence of eternal life, being connected with God. It's not just living forever. The essence of eternal death is this disconnection with God. Furthermore, this word death means eternal death. That means being separated from God forever. Family, I want to remind you today and I want to encourage you today that we, are, we, we, have, we, we have this relationship with God. We're called to know him, but that we will live forever. I want to remind you today that heaven is real. I want to remind you today that hell is real. I want to remind you today, the Bible says that one day every person will stand before God in judgment and they will give their account for their life. And it teaches us in Revelation that if your name is found in the Lamb's book of life, that you will be with him forever, ruling and reigning. But if your name is not, you will be cast into the lake of fire. Now, I don't preach that flippantly or nonchalantly. I actually wish it didn't say that. I wish it said something different. I wish there was something else, but I'm not the one who wrote the Bible. I'm not the one who determines what God said about that is the reality. That's his truth. And so if there is, as the old preachers would say, a heaven to gain, a hell to shun. If there is this eternal reality, would you not agree with me this afternoon that the greatest thing I could do to serve somebody is to make sure that they are saved for eternity? The greatest thing I could do for someone is, is not just focus on their temporary needs, but focus on their eternal need.
And I'm not preaching this this afternoon saying we shouldn't focus on people's temporary needs. As you'll hear a bit in my message, I believe we should. I believe we should do everything we can to serve people in whatever way that we possibly can. But as followers of Jesus, the most important way that I can serve somebody is to be concerned about their eternal destiny. The most important thing I can do to serve somebody is to be concerned about where they stand with God. Mark 8, 36 to 37 says this, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Our soul refers to that eternal part of us. It refers to, in this context, our spirit. And what Jesus is saying here is saying, you can gain the whole world. You can have more money than you know what to do with. You can have fame. You can have fortune. You can have all these things, but it is just temporary in this world. And what good is it if you then lose your soul for all of eternity? But on the flip side, even if life can be challenging and hard and there's some things you go through right now, if you have eternal life, you are going to be with him forever. Family, the greatest thing that we can do to serve people around us is to introduce them to our friend Jesus. Not just our friend, our Lord and our Savior. That is the heart. Now, I know how this goes when we start talking about messages like this. There's a bit of a cycle. I know it's a cycle that I've worked through many times in my Christian walk, and I can imagine it's a cycle that some of us work through. We hear a message like this, and we go, yes, pastor, you're right. We need to bring people to Jesus. We need to share. We need to preach, you know, whatever language we use. And then we think, and I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it enough. I'm terrible at it. And we start to really feel kind of somewhat convicted, but maybe somewhat guilty about it as well. And so we go out of this message, I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to share my faith with people. And we kind of ourselves up. We get ourselves revved up to do it. And then we go out and do it. Maybe, sort of, kind of, or we just feel guilty that we don't. And we just feel all this pressure. And it's just like, and so after a while, we're just like, you know, I just need to focus on something else, like the love of God or something else. And, and we go, and we just kind of forget about it. Then I get back up or somebody else gets up, preaches a message. What happens? Oh, I need to do this. And you see the cycle that goes this. I want to talk to you today about breaking that cycle. Because I've got a sneaking suspicion there's a lot more people than just me who go through this cycle. And what I want to do is I want to talk to you today about being naturally evangelistic. And I want to talk to you about a strategy that Jesus actually laid out in the scriptures for us about a way that every one of us, no matter our personality type, no matter whether we're introverted or extroverted, whether we like talking to people, whether we don't like talking to people, whether we feel like we know a lot about this, whether we feel nothing, I want to talk to you about a strategy from Jesus, a mission plan, if you want to call it that, of how every one of us can be naturally evangelists. How many people would like to learn a little bit more about that? Now, I want to say today, there's many ways to share Jesus with people. And you have to learn to apply different strategies in different seasons. It's like Jesus compared it to fishing. I don't really like fishing, but my dad likes fishing. And my dad, his heart has been a little hurt because none of his kids ended up liking fishing. I think one day he's going to take it to the Lord or something. But what I did learn from my dad when we go fishing is sometimes you have to use different bait in different seasons and different situations. You can't just do it the same way all the time. So I'm not saying this is the only way, but I want to share with you a way that Jesus shared that I feel like empowers a lot of us to be on mission. That empowers a lot of us to be naturally evangelistic. Let's go to Luke 10, 1 to 12. We're just going to read this a bit, and then we're going to talk about a couple principles about it, and we're going to pray. Luke 10, 1 to 12 says this, And after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Go your way. 
Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we shall wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, several thoughts out of this passage for us to be naturally evangelistic. The first thing I want to point out, and it actually comes from verse number three, where he said, uh, yeah, actually verse two, excuse me. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers of you, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, harvest field. Family, the first thing I want to encourage you, it's something every one of us can do today. It's something everyone can start. If you want to become naturally evangelistic, you start in prayer. Start in the place of prayer. Start in a place of praying and interceding for people to come to know Jesus. You know, I was thinking about this because a lot of times when we struggle with sharing our faith, a lot of us struggle just because, again, naturally we feel a little uncomfortable. We feel like I'm not good at it. We feel intimidated by it. I mean, I won't get you to raise hands right now, but I know a lot of us, if we're honest, we say, yeah, I just feel really intimidated. Or our picture of evangelism is like doing something crazy and bold and, you know, standing up on the street corner on a soapbox and just preaching to everybody. Now, I'm not against that if God's called people to do it, but most of us see that as the only way, so we struggle. I remember some of our young guys, a number of years ago, this is back in the Church Without Limits days, they're at a mall, and they're like, you know, we need to tell somebody about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, we need to, we need to share our faith. You know, the one guy's really the ringleader. He said, come on, let's go. We're going to share our faith. So they're kind of hyping themselves up. We're going to talk to people about Jesus. And they see this group of young people, which, if you know, is probably one of the most intimidating things. you got this whole group of young people. Let's go talk to them. We're going to go tell them about Jesus. And the one guy looks at it and goes, don't worry, I'll start. You just come with me. I'll start the conversation that you just helped. So that guy's like, okay, okay, let's do it. So they walk up to the group of young people. The first guy goes, hey, everybody. They all look at him. He goes, my friend has something to tell you. <laughs> yeah, so it's the A lot of us, we think of that. We're like, oh, my gosh. But here's where you can start. Even today, you can start in prayer. You can start in intercession. What if every one of us took just five minutes even a day and said, Lord, today I pray that you would help me just to show somebody your love. I, I pray you help me to impact somebody. I pray for people come to you. I, you know, maybe get to your office a little early and just say, I'm going to take 10 minutes just to pray for everyone who's in this office building. And I'm going to take time. I go to my school and I'm praying for students in my school, in my neighborhood. I'm just going to, as I walk to the bus stop, I'm going to take that time to pray. You know, there's so many ways that we can build prayer in. And guys, prayer is powerful, and prayers makes a difference. I want you to look, part of why this is so powerful, in first, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. It says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, the God of the world, that's a, one of the titles of Satan. And he has blinded people's eyes. Family, if people could really see Jesus for who he is, if people could really see eternity for what it is, they would give their lives to Jesus. It's just they can't see it. They can't see it because the God of this world has blinded their eyes. How do we affect that? How do we make a change that? We do it in the place of prayer. So the statement I want to encourage you in this is we always need to talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. Now, 
I, I, I know sometimes people hear that and then they have a chance to talk to them. And they're like, oh, no, I didn't talk to God first. I can't talk to them right now. No, don't get caught in that. Just catch the spirit that I need to be in a place where I'm talking to God about people before I talk to people about God. A lot of times we will try and talk to people about God, but we've never talked to God about them. And their eyes have been opened. Nothing has shifted. Nothing has changed for them. You may remember, uh, it must have been a couple message series ago. I had talked to you guys about YWAM, Youth with a Mission, the world's largest missions organization. They send young people literally around the world, do discipleship training schools and so on. And, and there was a season where they were really hitting a lull. They were finding they weren't as effective. Things were really showing down. And one of the things that God showed them in that season was God showed them that they needed to start houses of prayer on every mission base. Because they have missions bases all around the world. And what they said is even as teams go, we want teams who are in prayer and going before God. And when they did that and they made that shift, things just began to explode again. And it was unprecedented. They started to make an impact they had never made before. Why? Because they combined the prayer with the going. Talk to God about people. Talk to people about God. That's thought number one. Thought number two, I want you to see this phrase. Jesus said, you go and center house, say, peace be on this house, verse six. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. The second thought I want to say is we need to learn to look for sons and daughters of peace. You say, well, what do you mean by that? What I want to encourage you in this, and I was just, it was ministering to my heart even as I prepared this message, is to remind that God is working in people's lives. How many know that God is working in people's lives? How many know that God is doing more in people's lives than you or I are doing in people's lives? How many know that God wants people to come to him even more than you and I want them to come to him? Right? So what happens, though, is we take all the pressure on ourselves. So we start to say, okay, I've got to reach people with Jesus. And I, again, maybe it's just me, but you start to think, every person you walk by, I wonder if they know Jesus. I wonder if they know Jesus. I wonder if, and you're sitting in a restaurant. You're like, okay, these people don't even know Jesus. And sometimes it just gets overwhelming. And then you feel guilty. Should I talk to this person? Should I not talk to this person? This guy walked by on the street. Should I talk to him? I mean, all this stuff comes, and sometimes we just get emotionally exhausted. But here's the deal. It all, all depends on you. God is working in people's lives. And what our job is to do is to see where God is working and then to partner with him in what he's doing in people's lives. Did you know that some people just aren't ready yet to hear the good news of Jesus? Think of this picture of harvest. How many know there's a time for harvest? And how many know that if you try and harvest a crop too soon, you actually damage and destroy it rather than getting fruit? Right, like I could go into our parking lot right now, and many of you may not be aware, but we actually have a number of fruit trees in our parking lot. So when they built the property, there was a number of fruit trees. That went, so we got apple trees. We've got, I'm trying to think what else we have. I always forget, but definitely know we have apple trees. We actually have people. One year we caught people. They pulled up in their van, opened up the back of their van, grabbed baskets, and started stealing our apples. And one of our staffers say, excuse me, uh, you know this private problem. Oh, really? Oh, we didn't know that. We don't, yeah, we're like, oh, okay, yes. Watch it. I'll get Pastor Jair after you, right? Pastor, Pastor Jair will run you down. But see, the whole point is, if I go out to the apple tree right now, and I try and pull the apple off and eat the apple, it's not going to be good. Because it's not ready. See, what I found is we get this pressure on us that I just have to talk to everybody at any time, and it's just, instead of going, no, you know what I need to do? I need to just love Jesus, love people, and then look for the opportunities that God opens to me. I need to look out for men and women of peace because God is working in their life. 
God has already started to work. He's the one who's going to be faithful to complete it. And it takes all the pressure off too. Because sometimes you feel this prayer, what if I mess it up? Oh no, I didn't talk to somebody. Now they're going to go to hell. Or You know what? God's a lot bigger than you or me. Amen. I didn't get a good enough amen on that. God's a lot bigger than we are. So we need to trust him. And then we need to step out in faith. Everybody say man of peace. Everybody say woman of peace. Don't force it, partner with God. So watch this. You start to build a lifestyle of prayer. That's why I'm so excited even about, again, altered Friday nights. And I love what Pastor Sharon and the team are doing for this upcoming one in two weeks. We got to get to this kind of stuff. That's why we start every service in prayer. And we take five minutes just to set the atmosphere in prayer. So I love Vic's talking about like the prayer room this afternoon. Why we have over 20 prayer calls a week of people who are just getting on conference call. They're getting on Zoom. And we're praying and we're creating this atmosphere of prayer. And if you want to jump on board, you can do it. Because you start to say, okay, I'm a person about mission. Right? I'm not here just to be served. I'm not just here to have a nice service and go through the nice motions and have nice programming for me. I want to be about the mission of Jesus, and that mission starts in the place of prayer. Jesus spent 30 years preparing for what he was going to do, and I promise you a lot of that was in prayer. And so we take that same heart and say, okay, I'm going to pray. But then as I go in my life, I'm looking for sons and daughters of peace that God would open up the door with. Why? Because God is working in people's lives. And so that's the second thought. And then the third thought I want to bring you to is Jesus outlines four keys to reaching people in this passage. Uh, now, I want to give some credit and some context. These four keys I've really drawn, and I pulled some quotes from Dr. Ed Silvoso and his teaching on prayer evangelism. So he has a whole book. You can look it up. There's a lot of great details, but I just want to share a few things if you're going to reach people. So the first thing that you need to do that Jesus said here is he said, speak peace. Everybody say, speak peace. He said, speak peace peace. What does it mean to speak peace? Well, to speak peace means to speak life, to speak blessing, to speak encouragement to people, to love on people. In other words, when we go to share, when we're connecting and God, let's say God opens that door with someone. You don't just have to run through with the four spiritual laws, the Romans road to salvations. Do you know Jesus? No, speak life, speak blessing, speak peace into them. We want to, often we have not Guys, this is about love. That's what this thing is all about. And often we have not cultivated the heart for love for people that God would want us to. We're ministering to someone, we're sharing with someone out of guilt because I feel bad because I'm not doing it or, or out of a sense of duty. But God says, no, I want you to do it out of love. I want you to love this person so much to see their value. What, would, what, would it, what is a profit? You gain the whole world, you lose your soul. God said your soul, your spirit is more valuable than anything you could gain in the world. That's how he feels about you, but that's how he feels about every person we come in contact with. And so we start to get a fresh revelation of the value of people. The value of people to God. We love people. And when we love people, it sets this tone where we go, how can I bless them? How can I speak life to them? I'm not here to tell them that they're doing wrong and they're this and they're that and they're, you know, their view on this political issue is wrong and this is wrong and all these things. No, I'm here to speak peace, to speak love, to speak blessing into them. And that is something, guys, that's something all of us can do. But we learn to speak peace. A couple of quotes for you that I, that I love that really stood out to me. Pastor Rich Velotis, he said this. It is a really curious evangelism strategy to despise the people you are bringing to Jesus. 
But how often, especially in this politically charged climate that we live in with so much division, do we end up fighting people on one level or another? But you can't, if we don't, like Bible said, our battle's not against flesh and blood. We're called to reach people. We're called to love people. Uh, in prayer evangelism, Dr. Ed Savoso said this. He said, preaching the truth without love is like giving someone a good kiss when you have bad breath. No matter how good your kiss is, all the recipient will remember is your bad breath. This is what happens when in anger and disgust we tell the lost how terrible or depraved their lives are or how they're surely going to hell. Even though this may be true, our negative approach blocks and distorts the central message of the Bible that God sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save it. We speak life. We speak blessing. We speak encouragement. That's one of the reasons why I love the power of the prophetic, where it speaks edification, comfort, and it speaks into people's lives. I was sharing a story where a couple months ago, Pastor Sharon had the opportunity with some friends who run a pretty significant business in the city of Toronto. And they're really kingdom people. And they, they really, they, they've said to us, they said, we feel like we pastor our employees. That a lot of them don't know it because a lot of them are Christians, but we're here to serve them. So they did this night. They, they brought Pastor Sharon and I in. They brought a couple other couples who were very prophetic couples. And they said, what we're going to do, we, we told our staff, none of them have to come, but we told them we have people who hear from God who are going to give them spiritual readings. So we're like, okay. You know, based on our words, we're just going to give them prophetic words from God. And so we get in this room, and they literally, for like three hours, they just cycled staff members through, 10 minutes each. And I remember I was so nervous. I, I, I was so nervous. I told Pastor Sharon, I'm like, you go first. <laughs> I'm like, you prophetic, you go first. But I remember because, and it was weird because I do it all the time in church. But also I'm in a different environment with a lot of people. I remember going, but what I just started to realize is, God, what's your heart for them? Let me just start speaking encouragement. Let me start speaking life. I was trying to figure out what sin they were in. I was trying to figure out, are they a Christian or not? I'm just, God, tell, let, I want to share how you feel for them. And I was like, Pastor Sharon, go first. He was like, you want to go first? I'm like, nope, you go first. I let her take the lead, and I jump in, but we'd go. And I remember God loved me, so he blessed me. Because the first, we had these two young ladies, and just beautiful, amazing. And I just started to speak some words. And you know, you're always kind of nervous with it a little bit, because especially off the start. Because you're like, I don't want to be totally off here. You know, but the tears just started streaming down their face. And, like, and I'm like, thank you, Lord. Okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm on. I'm doing that. But you know what I love? We didn't go in to tell them we were wrong. We went in to speak peace. We wanted to speak blessing to them and encouragement. And they knew we were doing it in Jesus' name. They knew. We said, we're talking to God in the name of Jesus, but we want to know what he says to you. Somebody say, speak peace. Secondly, we need to fellowship with them. So it's interesting. Now what she said. This is what Silvosa said. Once you've broken the ice with your neighbors, do not rush to share the gospel with them. Fellowship is the next step, not proclamation. Proclamation is the last step. If you've invited these formerly neglected sinners over to dinner, do not ambush them with the four spiritual laws between the hamburgers and apple pie. Be patient. You may wonder what values they're in fellowshipping with the lost unless I share the gospel with them. Fellowship provides an opportunity to show unconditional acceptance by welcoming our neighbors just the way they are instead of the way we want them to be. So often we come off decidedly unchristlike in our interactions with the lost, especially with those who are certified industrial strength sinners. We barely put up with them. We make it painfully clear that we can't wait for them to change and become more like us. This is a destructive attitude unworthy of Christ and his kingdom. To change this, we must spend time with our neighbors, not patronize or proselytize them, but receive from them. Stay in the house, eating and drinking what they give you. Jesus instructs us to eat and drink everything our neighbors set before us. His evangelism model calls for two-way fellowship with emphasis on receiving rather than unilaterally giving. 
Isn't that powerful? It's one of the reasons why I love this fall. We're going to work on restarting the Alpha Course. My Alpha Course, I mentioned it in different contexts. It was started by a church out of London, England. Literally millions of people around the world have taken this course. Millions have been impacted. So many people have given their lives to Jesus through it. But one of the things they do is you bring people in, you eat a meal, you watch a video talk or have someone give a talk, and then you just talk about it. But what they always instruct Christians who are helping run this is you don't correct people if you feel like their answer is wrong. So they can say like the craziest thing ever. What do you think about God? And they say, well, I just think this. In your mind, you're thinking, that is absolutely nuts. You're just supposed to sit there and go, hmm, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Because what happens is as you listen and as you talk, they said over time, the Holy Spirit does the work in people. The Holy Spirit does the work. Why? Because you're breaking bread with them. You're building relationship. You're building community. You're hearing them. They're expecting you to judge them. You're expecting you to correct them and tell them why they're wrong or tell them like this or why it's that. So you just say, I'm not going to do all that. I'm going to love you. I'm going to share with you. I'm going to spend time with you. And so you fellowship. That's step number two. Everybody say fellowship. Fellowship. Step number three that Jesus talks about is he talked about and then you heal their sick. Dr. Savosa expands this a little bit to meeting the felt needs of people. Meet the needs that they have. Blessing sinners opens the door to fellowship, and fellowship eventually leads to the third step, an opportunity to meet their felt needs. This will only happen after they trust us enough to disclose their needs. Once such trust exists, they may share that their marriage looks good on the surface but is rotting inside. They may tell us that they fear of losing their job or they're seeking help with an addiction they cannot overcome. The once distant neighbors will begin to share heart to heart with us because they sense we have an answer. And they will ask for our help because they now have tangible proof that we really care for them. It is at this precise moment we can say to them, well, I've actually been praying for you and I'd be delighted to pray for this too. Now, you may be thinking, shouldn't we lead them to the Lord first? Understand what our neighbors are sharing at this point in time is the need they feel is most important. In other words, their felt needs. Obviously, the most important need they have is salvation. But they don't know that yet. Nevertheless, through their felt needs, God creates an avenue to show them that Jesus is indeed a friend of sinners, and he came to save them, not condemn them. That's why I'm excited about things that we want to engage in like city serve which I mentioned to you last week or the week before, where we're connecting through CityServe organization with companies like Amazon and Walmart and these major companies. And as they have goods that they no longer use, they're now giving them a CityServe so CityServe can get them to churches so churches can bless and serve people with those goods. It's getting out there and saying, hey, I want to show you the love of Jesus. I want to show you. So watch this. Again, we're praying. We're looking for open doors that God is working And then we're making a commitment to speak blessing and life over people. We're making a commitment to fellowship with people. And then as we see opportunities, we serve people. And then last but not least, and if Justin wants to come and the team wants to come back, we're going to close with this. Then we have the opportunity to share the gospel. Once you have spoken peace over people, this is Silvoso again, and fellowship with them and met their needs, then there will be a wide open door to share the gospel with them. Once we've completed the first three steps, blessing, fellowship, taking care of needs, leading our neighbors to the Lord becomes as easy as angling a whale in a swimming pool. You cannot miss because you've given them peace, which is what unbelievers lack the most. You've provided them with the most protective, healing fellowship they've enjoyed, and you have offered prayers for needs they feel very deeply and have not been able to meet on their own. Now, it is very natural for them to ask, tell me, who is this God who loves me? They feel safe and approach you because there's been a gradual improvement in the spiritual climate of your relationship as you move from step one to step four. Blessing opens the door to fellowship. 
Fellowship establishes trust, which allows them to share their needs. Prayer addresses their felt needs. And when we intercede for our neighbors, the kingdom of God comes near to them in a tangible, real way. And the Bible said, say to them, the kingdom has come near to you. Please notice that we are not bringing them to the kingdom. We are not bringing them into the kingdom. We are taking the kingdom to them. Take the kingdom to losses like driving through the desert in an air-conditioned truck stocked with cold drinks. When you spot a weary pedestrian lost on a lonely road on a hot summer day, if you pull up next to him, you don't need to beg him to come on board. All you need to do is pull over near to him and open the door. How many people want to take Jesus to some people in a very dry, weary land that we're in right now? Amen? And we have that heart to say we want to do it. But again, guys, and I'm not saying this is the only way. But I just believe, think for yourself right now today. Think about how hard the last couple of years have been. Think about the challenges you face. Think of the challenge for your family. Think of the challenges those around you. Now, think about going through these last couple of years without Jesus. Man, I know sometimes we get caught up in the, the battle and the challenge, but sometimes I sit back with myself and say, man, I got, I got an eternal hope here. I still got a peace that passes all understanding. I know God's got me. How would I be navigating this if I didn't know any of those things? And family, I want to encourage you today, just as we go. There are so many people in the world around us right now. There's so many people in your circle. God is working in them. God is speaking to them. God is doing something in their life. And he's looking for us to say, yes, Lord, we'll partner with you. Yes, we're going to step out in faith. What if, what if all of us just said, you know, in the second half of 2022, your prayer was, God, just give me one. Give me one, Lord. Maybe it's more, but you just start with one. And what if each one of us was praying that prayer and we're praying daily and we're looking for sons and daughters of peace and we're speaking blessing to people everywhere that we can go and we're speaking life and we're ministering we're finding ways to serve people's needs and we're fellowshipping, we're breaking bread. What could God do? And there's no pressure, there's no stress on you. You're just following the Holy Spirit. How about you? But I want to grow in this in the second half of 2022. I believe the doors are wide open around us. The field is ripe for harvest, but God's looking for some people to go. Will we allow him to take us deeper in mission? Will we allow him to take us deeper into serving and loving and reaching people? And so I want to invite you today, if your heart is to join me, because I'm praying this prayer, I'm saying, God, take me deeper in this. But if your heart is to join me and you say, God, I want to go deeper than this, I want to invite you just to stand to your feet wherever you are across this place. We just stand to our feet. I want you just to raise your hands to the Lord today. We're saying, God, take us deeper in mission. Take us deeper in this love for people. I think that's really the biggest thing today. My prayer is, God, grow my love. Because that's where it starts. Grow my love. Help me not just to be self-absorbed and self-focused, but grow my love for the people around me. And I'm going to ask the team. The team's just going to sing a song of worship here. They're going to sing. And I want us just to worship because we become what we behold. And so we're going to take a few moments just to behold the Lord as we finish this service off. And we're going to ask him, grow this love in our hearts for people. Grow this compassion. That we would have the compassion of Jesus because we need his compassion if we're going to live out his mission. Let's just take a moment to worship.